This morning's message is entitled, The Spiritual Life. We are still in that series, and this message, uh, the title of this message this morning is called, Obeying the Go in God. The word God is spelled G-O-D, and within those three letters is another word, which is go. So we're going to learn why it's important to obey the go in God. You see, God is powerful, but God also uses people. He uses Jesus. He uses the Holy Spirit. He uses us here on earth. So there is a go in God because God is after glory. Can you say glory? The more you participate in this sermon today, the more you're going to be blessed. I'll say it again. The more you participate in this sermon today, the more you're going to be blessed. This is not an ordinary service. This is not an ordinary sermon. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. There's some good things that God has for us today, and we're going to receive them. I'm not here just to talk to you this morning, for the kingdom of God is not just words, but power as well. So if you came in busted, disgusted, depressed, and all that stuff, you can leave that way too if you don't participate. This is not just a religious activity where you come and hear a sermon and then leave. What you've done is you've presented your life to God this morning. You presented your worship to God this morning, and now he's giving his word to you. And when God speaks, when God speaks, there is a go in his word. For the word of God says that when the Lord releases a word upon the earth, it never returns void to him. It accomplishes everything it was sent to do. So this sermon this morning was sent to do something. And what we're going to have to begin to do is get tired of where we are. I believe, even if you don't show me your hands, I see your faces. I believe there's some tired people in here this morning, tired of what the enemy's been doing, tired of expecting things to get better. We've been leaning too heavily upon the government, thinking that they can make things better because of the things that they shut down during COVID. But I'm trying to tell you something right now. COVID had no effect against the kingdom of God. Zero. Zero. There were no losses in the kingdom of God because COVID came to this earth. Zero losses. There is nothing that can happen on this earth that will affect heaven in a negative capacity. But there is something that can happen on this earth that affects heaven in a positive capacity. For instance, there's a young man. What's your name again, brother? John. Give it up for John. John gave his life to God on earth. And when that happened on earth, something happened in heaven that influenced heaven in a positive way. It, it says that the angels begin to rejoice when one of us repents and turns away from our sin. So there are things that we can do on earth that affects heaven. You don't believe me? When the righteous pray effectual and fervent prayers, then God moves on our behalf from heaven and things happen on earth. It's time. I just feel something on the inside of me that is burning a fire that God has given back to me better than the fire of the before. See, it's time that we begin to live with great expectation. It's time that we take our eyes off Trump and take your eyes off Biden and take your eyes off Russia and put our eyes back on the living God and begin to expect God's glory. 
Expect God's glory to fall in this earth again because we are his people called by his name. And if we're not careful, they'll push us in a corner and tell us to be quiet. Just like they tried to tell us that we couldn't open our doors and still gather during COVID. And what I got to say about that is Satan is a liar. For God has given us all power and authority over this earth. And, I, and, and there's no argument there. I, I don't want to hear no more garbage, especially from Christians. Stop watering down the word. Either the word is powerful and true and living and alive or it is not. So we don't put, we don't put our, our safety in our own hands. I'm, I'm sick of seeing Christians living in fear and calling it, calling it wisdom. God says that he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So either God is God and his word is true or every man is a liar. Woo. Let me let me say something quickly. I'm not yelling at you and I'm not mad at you. But there's a passion burning inside of me this morning that I'm glad is back. I'm glad it's there. Because here's what I believe happened. I know what happened. I've been looking to the people too much. Who's here and who's not here? Who's praising God? Who's not praising God? Who's at Bible study? Who's not at Bible study? You know what? Poof, be gone. I'm done with it. I'm going to keep my eyes on God so that nothing else can water me down. And church, if you're with me this morning, would you put your eyes back on God again and stop letting everything bring you down? The enemy is busy in this world doing what he's supposed to be doing. But let us be found doing what we are supposed to be doing. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, obeying the go in God. We're led by God by not trusting in ourselves, but by acknowledging him. Okay, so we've been through a a few sermons to get us here. We first started learning about how to be led by God, and we learned that our hearts are desperately wicked, and we should not trust ourselves. So we're led by God, but not by not trusting in ourselves, but by acknowledging him in all of our ways. How many of our ways? All. All of our ways. Then last week we learned that the ways of Jesus are the higher ways to live by and that the Holy Spirit is our helper. Can you say higher ways? And that's our problem, and that's why we're so dead and dry, and that's why all this talk about revival outside the church needs to stop, and we need to talk about revival inside the church. Here is where the dry bones have been, and it's time for us to come back alive before we go out there trying to bring life to people that are dry. You can't make anybody on fire for God if you don't have any gasoline yourself. We need the oil of God. We need the anointing of of God living on the inside of us, and it's time out just for religious practices and religious activities. If God saved you, he saved you for a purpose, and it's so that his glory can be revealed through your life. So last week, we learned that Jesus Christ is the higher standard of living that we are to live by, and that the Holy Spirit is our helper. And this week, we're going to learn that there is a glory-producing power that is released when we go when God God speaks. So the more obedient you are, the more blessed you are. In your finances, in your marriage, 
And in everything you do, the more obedient to the word of God you are, the more goodness that is in your life. Because what is the opposite of obedience to God? It's sin. And how can we expect, expect blessings in our life when sin is there and present and has not been repented of? So the more obedient you are to God, the more power of God is available in your life. Because when he sends his word to the earth, there is no failing of his word. But I believe that there is patience. I believe that the Holy Spirit hovers over us, waiting for us to be obedient to God's word so that the the word can go back fulfilled and come to him complete again. I got to say that slower. I got to break it down because if you miss this, you miss the message. The Holy Spirit, okay, is very patient with us. As some of you and me too, as we have some, 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 uh, I call it, I'll, I'll call it sin. We're being sinful in some areas because we're not being fully obedient to God's word and specific things in our life. So the Holy Spirit is hovering over our lives because we've got the word already. We know what to do, but the Holy Spirit hovers, making sure that the word or waiting for the word to be complete in our lives so that that thing can come back to God in glory and triumph and we can see the victory. The Holy Spirit is hovering. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. We are still in the each one reap one campaign. There's a purple sign on the wall back there. What that is all about is this. We are all supposed to be winning souls for Jesus. It's not just about coming to church. It's about winning souls for Jesus. It's not just about being a disciple of Jesus Christ, but also being a disciple maker. So if we were a factory, if your life was a factory, it would be one that produces disciples. If your life was a factory, and that's how heaven sees you, you're supposed to be making disciples. And that's why you come to church. One of the reasons you come to church is to learn how to become a disciple maker. Another reason you come to church is because you are the church. So you don't just come to church because you need a word or to worship. You come to church because God needs to use your life for his glory. When you miss church, you may be missing the opportunity to minister to somebody like Brother John or to minister to somebody who's going through something. You all have gifts. Say this with me. I have a gift from God. So you are the body of Christ, and he desires to do different things through your life. But when you don't show up, those things cannot be done. I know that you can watch online, but there's a difference between watching online and gathering because you don't get to use your gift when you watch online. There could be somebody that God is sending to the church this morning who's went through something that you've went through, but if you're not here, then that gift cannot be used. So it's not all about listening to the word. It's not all about just worshiping God. We are to be disciple makers and we are the house of God, the temple of God and in which his spirit lives and he desires to use us as his body. So we have to present ourselves for his use. Amen. So making God's go good. I told you that in the word God, that three letter word G-O-D is the word go as well. And we need to be obedient to go as God says go. Let's go to Genesis chapter one, verses one through five. And it says this, in the beginning, when? In the beginning, G-O-D, God, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, 
and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering. What was the Spirit of God doing? hovering over the surface of the waters. So before anything happened, the Holy Spirit was hovering. Say this with me. He's hovering. You got to know that, church, that God is ready for goodness to burst forth out of your life so that glory can be found in this earth through you. But the Holy Spirit right now is just hovering and waiting for the go in God, all right? Then God said, So in the verse before, we see the Holy Spirit hovering, and in the verse after, we see God speaking. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. So what do we see here? In the beginning, God. The first three, four letters in the Bible. In the beginning, God. So he was there. He was here. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all three present there at creation. And it says that darkness covered the earth. Darkness still covers the earth. Just because the sun is here during the day and the moon at night doesn't mean that there's not darkness still covering the earth. And the Bible says that men love darkness rather than light because their their deeds are evil. So there's darkness in this world. How do we know that? Just last week, we saw a little girl being kidnapped. I don't know what city it was. A man rolled up to her, yanked her off her bike, put her in the car, and took off with her. Praise God. God, the police were able to find her very quickly, but I'm telling you, there's darkness in the earth. There's not only kidnappings going on in this world, there's racism, there's abortion, there's murder, there's darkness still covering this earth. But there was the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, all three of them present there during creation. So, God the Father spoke. And when God spoke, his word went forth. I have a question for you. Who is the word of God? Jesus. So when the father spoke, let there be light, then through his speaking, the word got to working. And then we see here also that the Holy Spirit empowered him to do what he did. And there was light and it was good. Let's praise God for that. Don't miss this. This is the whole premise. When God speaks his word, Jesus is that word that comes forth out of the mouth of God. And when Jesus goes to do what God has spoken, he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. They are the Trinity. They work all together three in one. I told you that there is still darkness in this earth and the Holy Spirit is still hovering because he's here. Remember, God, Jesus said, I have to go, but I will send you another comforter to the earth. So we know that the Holy Spirit is still hovering over the darkness in this world, just waiting for there to be a speaking of light, just waiting for there to be obedience in the children of light. Say this with me. I am a child of light. So when you obey God, lightness breaks, lightness, <laughs> light breaks forth into this world and darkness has to move. 
Do we understand that you're not just churchgoers? Do you understand that you're not just Christians? Do you understand that the power of God lives inside of you through the Son, Spirit, uh, the Spirit of Jesus Christ? And the Holy Spirit is just hovering over you, just like he hovered over creation and darkness and waiting for God to speak. So you've got to begin to speak. And when you speak, then mountains will move. When you speak, then people will be set free. So if you just come to church and listen, but never leave and speak, the earth remains dark. Your house might be blessed. Your finances might be blessed. You might be healed. It may be okay with you, but there's darkness at the neighbor's house because we're quiet. The Holy Spirit is hovering over your neighbor's house too, just waiting for creation to happen. And if we are in Jesus Christ, we become a new creation. There is new creation that is ready to happen every day of existence, but the God is waiting for us to go. we got to put the go back in God. Let's go to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I just told you that in the beginning, all three of them were there, and I told you that when God spoke, Jesus moved because Jesus is the word of God. We're in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and it says this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, through Jesus. And without him, nothing was made that was made. So yes, God spoke, but Jesus created by the, through the movement and the power of the Holy Spirit. So who made the mountains? Jesus. Who made the elephants? Jesus. Who made the waterfalls? Jesus. Who made the light? Jesus. And how? By whose power? By the power of the Holy Spirit. So Trinity was the Trinity was in motion in the beginning, and the Trinity is in motion now through us if we're obedient to go. It all started when God said, let there be. So when you finally get tired and fed up, you will begin to say, let there be. I'm sick of this that was going on in my house. I'm sick of what's going on in my life. Let there be peace. Let there be joy. Amen. Amen. I got to I got to I keep forgetting not to look at you guys sometimes. It can be depressing and discouraging. Was that out loud? Oh, no, man. They can hear my thoughts. This is so weird. All right. So God speaks. His word, Jesus moves, all by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now let's go to Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. So it doesn't matter if you're a brand new Christian like our brother John. It doesn't matter how long you've been serving God for, for six years, eight years, 12 years. That doesn't matter. There is still a go. So even as those children are learning downstairs about the word of God, God is putting a go in their spirit because they're hearing the word of God. And when God speaks, there's supposed to be movement and momentum back towards heaven heaven back towards him. When God speaks, there's supposed to be movement and momentum back towards heaven because once he releases his word, it comes back to him fulfilling what it should do. And we know that God sent his word to the earth. 
His word was nailed to a cross, and the last three words of the word were, it is finished. Then he gave up his spirit and went back to heaven, and he went triumphantly, doing exactly what God told him to do. So at every age, there should be a go, and we should be obedient. We're in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. It says this, Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that through the reading of this verses, that great revelation would come to your church, God, that we would get out of our ruts, we would get out of our routines, we would leave a form of godliness behind and stop denying the power. Lord, move your church forward in anointing and power and glory in Jesus' name. Everything that we do that is systematic and man-made, I ask that you would help me and help us to tear it down. God, so that nothing stands in the way of your go. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 2, verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to, to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, how old was he? 12. They attended the festival as usual. Can you say as usual? So they were doing something that was a routine. You can be doing something that is a routine and still miss God. Church people do it all the time. And what it's called is religion. We do things religiously all the time. We have these religious routines. And after a while, see, they start in God. They started with a go. But after a while, the Holy Spirit hovers. So that means he moves. He moved off of that thing. And he desires to lead us and guide us to where God is taking us now. But we do these religious practices because that's where God was. But it might not be where he is right now. We need to do a heart check, people of God. Yes, you might be saved, but are you where God wants you to be right now in your life? Are you as developed as you should be? Are you moving forward in ministry? Is he still receiving glory from your life where you are? Or are you just going through routines as usual? Verse 43. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed. Can you say Jesus stayed? Oh, my, I'm, I'm going to preach myself happy. I don't even care if the building was empty. <laughs> I should put a mirror right there and just preach to me. Listen, it says they went home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed. So what that meant was God was about to start doing a new thing. For 12 years, they went to the celebration and went home. But this time, can you say this time? Can you say at this time? Can you say for such a time? God began to do a new thing and Jesus stayed. How old was he? To only a child. But Jesus sensed the father wanting to do something new and he stayed. Don't be so religious that you can't do the new thing when it comes. Well, we've been doing it this way all of our lives. But God wants to do a new thing. And maybe, maybe God moves people when he's ready to do something new. 
maybe Mary and Joseph had to leave because if they had seen Jesus staying, they would have tried to convince him to go when the Holy Spirit was hovering over here. Be careful who you're following. Be careful who you're listening to. Just because you used to go that way doesn't mean that that's, not the, that's the way that God is leading you to go right now. So Jesus stayed because there was a new go. He stayed behind in Jerusalem. It says his parents didn't even miss him at first. Why? Because they were still in a routine. This lets me know of a great danger for our modern church, that we, can have, we could have already missed God while we're still in our routines. It's time that we start evaluating our daily routine and say, God, am I missing you every single day? And do you know the way to miss God every single day is to lean to your own understanding and not acknowledge God in all your ways so that he can direct your path. The message that I'm preaching you is from a series called The Spiritual Life. And the way that we make sure that we're walking not behind God, not in front of God, but with God is by acknowledging and saying, God, are you with me? Or no, 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 no. He never leaves us. God, am I with you? Amen? All right. So his parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed. Is that in your Bible? They assumed. So what that means is that they assumed that their son was with them. We do it all the time. We assume that God is with us in all of our goings, but he might be way back there. They assumed that Jesus was with them as they left, okay? They assumed that he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him. Can we be honest with ourselves? Are there some areas of your life where you can begin to look up and see that he's not here? Let's just be real. Can we be real? How's your marriages? How are your marriages? Is he there? Or is there strife? How is the relationship between you and your children? Is he there? Or is there strife? How is your peace? How is your sleep at night? Is he there? Or is there strife? How are your finances? How are all the things in your life as you begin to look around? Is he there in every single thing? And the way that we know that he is, is if we are obedient to his word and doing everything he said as it relates to marriages, raising our children, finances, and on and on and on. Verse 45. When they couldn't find him. So here's the revival. Here is the key to revival. When they couldn't find him, church, are we in a place where we're ready to say that there's some things that we do that we can't find him? Because we have to begin asking ourselves those hard questions. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. 
So it's time that we go back to the beginning of our relationship with God and say, God, have I strayed from you? Have I left you behind at the altar? Have I left you behind in the commitment that I said that I would follow you? I'm coming looking for you. Verse 46, three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And listen, the way that we will know that we are obeying the good, I'm sorry, the go in God is that there will be goodness. Note takers, your pens should be going crazy right now. The way that we know that we are obeying the go in God is that it should be good. Listen to this. It didn't say that they made that three-day journey back to Jerusalem and when they finally found him, Jesus was in a corner getting beat up by little kids. It didn't say when they finally came three days back to Jerusalem, when they found Jesus, he was sitting there disheveled and dirty. It didn't say that he was begging for bread. It didn't say he was begging alms of people. It didn't say that he was crying, Mommy, Daddy, where are you? It didn't say any of that. Because if you are obeying the go in God, there should be some goodness present. That should be the spot where the Holy Spirit is hovering and the glory of God is pouring out right there on your yes to God, on your obedience to him. So where and what did they find Jesus doing and where was their goodness there? Listen to what it says. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions and listen for the glory. Verse 47. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So they were just astonished that this 12-year-old boy knew so much, okay? That means that there was goodness evident, that the glory of God was moving through him at this time. Verse 48, his parents didn't know what to think. And this is where I want to see the church. Will you pray this with me? That as revival comes back to this place and we begin to see the glory of God moving, those that are new that come, those that come back, those that come and associate with us, they will come into this place and they will begin to wonder and think, what is happening here? Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic. What have they been? Frantic. What had they been? Frantic. frantic. So this is evidence that he wasn't with them. Please catch this. If you're frantic, if you're nervous, if you're fearful, if you're afraid, it means that you, you should recognize that God is not with me here. Now listen, I know that God never leaves us nor forsake us, but I'll tell you an invitation that God will always turn down. God does not come to pity parties. He's not coming. Because he's after glory. He's after honor. He's full of power. He's full of might. So when you get ready to praise God, that's when he shows up. Because the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people, not, his, not their worries. 
so the evidence that there was no that there is no goodness in our lives is it, when we see that there is no goodness in our lives, we have to say, okay, because we're talking all about being led. Which go am I on right now? Am I on my go? Like Mary and Joseph just went on home on their own go? Or am I in God's go? Am I being obedient to do what God told me to do in this moment? And then that should be evidence of uh, God's movement and momentum in our life. Just a quick testimony. Uh, if it doesn't bless you, it's okay. It blessed me. Um, for years, I was financially irresponsible, okay? So when I would go to buy a car or to buy a house, I could not pick the lender. The lender had to pick me. I hope you know what that means. It means that your credit worthiness is not such that you get to choose which bank you want to go to. You're thrown out there in the air, and whoever wants to take a risk on you, then they will approve your financing. But for years now, I have been faithful to give to God. I've asked him for wisdom concerning my finances. And just this week, or the week, the, these past two weeks, I've been able to choose who I give my money to. I've been able to choose who finances me. Do you know why? Because I'm off that old go. And I'm on a new go. When you're on the new go, you better catch this, man. I wish I should have passed out some gloves today so you guys could catch what I'm saying right now. When you're on God's go, the evidence is goodness. You will find good things there because you have been obedient to God. So I don't know who that was for, but he kept pressing me to say it. And I was like, I'm not talking about that. But he said, say it. So I said it. So whoever that's for, if you're being financially irresponsible, you're going on your own go. You, the word of God teaches us everything. Everything about everything. So when you are financially responsible, you know how to be blessed. The Bible says this. I call it POW. Can you say POW? POW. Say it like you want a financial blessing. Say POW. POW. All right, now they get loud. It's for the money. Show me the money, right? POW is how you get blessed from God, okay? It's the POW, and it's in his word. The POW, okay? The poor, the orphans, and the widows. When you give finances towards them... Woo. The Bible says that he that lendeth to the poor lends to God. So if he knows that he can always trust me to be a, 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 a distribution center to the poor, then I will always have more than enough because I recognize that what God gives me is not just mine. It's just passing through. So the way to be cursed is to treat every dollar you make like it's yours and to say, you know what, this is all mine and okay, fine. But we have an example in the Bible of that. And I know I'm making some of you mad, but just be mad. There's an example in the Bible of that. There was a man, a very rich man who had amassed a lot of money. And he said, you know what, I am just going to take it easy from now on. The buildings that I have, they aren't even big enough to hold all that I have amassed. So I'm going to tear down these little barns. I'm, 
And instead of being a distribution center, instead of giving the things away, he said, I'm just going to tear down this barn because it can't store my extra, and I'm going to build bigger barns. And God called that man a fool. He said, you fool, your soul is going to be required of you this very night. And the lesson is, who then will get all that you had? Amen? All right. I know that was, a, that was an exit, okay? I know that that wasn't on a, in the message. That was what they call a, a bathroom break, okay? So let's get back on the road and journey on to where God was taking us. But somebody needed to hear that today about financial responsibility and about not being greedy, about being a cheerful giver. See, I, I never get up here and preach about you guys need to be doing this and you guys need to be doing that and you're not giving enough. Because here's my thing. If you don't want to be blessed, don't be blessed. It's your choice. All right. Because he loves a cheerful giver. So I'm not going to manipulate in the giving, you the giving. I'm not going to say that if you don't tithe, you're cursed. Because that's not even scriptural. Because every curse was taken away with Jesus Christ. And that verse wasn't even for the New Testament church. Send me an email if you don't agree and I won't read it. All right, Lord. See, that's what happens when I take that exit. I get all off track. Let's get back into the word. Verse 49. Jesus says to his, his mother, Mary, after she, she's all, you know, discombobulated because they get, couldn't find him. They're all frantic. And we talked about if we're frantic about anything in our lives, it's evidence that we're not on the right go. It's not that God has left us. Oh, man. So picture this. Picture a cloud over you, a glory cloud at all times. And the Holy Spirit is just hovering over you. And he wants to reign. He wants God's goodness and glory to fall in your life. But until you are obedient to his word, he's just hovering. Until there's a word that can be released, he's just hovering. But when you go and when you're obedient to God, that's when the blessings fall. That's when the rain can fall. So we don't want the Holy Spirit just hovering. We want him reigning, right? We want the goodness of God reigning down in our lives. And the only way that happens is when we are being obedient to the Spirit of God. So Jesus talks to his mom now and says, but why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? So at the age of 12, God had already spoke to Jesus and told him that he wanted him to stay in the temple. He got a new go. Okay, it says, but they didn't understand what he meant. He tells them, I must be about my father's business. I must be in my father's house. But they don't understand what he meant. Why? Because he was under the influence or under the responsibility of his natural and earthly parents. However, now his heavenly fathers begin to put a demand on him. Church, say this with me. This is going to be powerful. Say, Father, Father put, a put a demand on my life. See, when, you, when God puts a demand on your life, what you're saying is, I know that you sent me here for a purpose. Bottom word on the left-hand side. I know you sent me here for a purpose, but if I'm going to triumph, the bottom word on the right-hand side, then I need there to be a demand on my life. And the demand on our life is already evident in these three things. Love. 
which is the greatest commandment. Our identity in Christ, because as Christ was in this world, so are we. And then our faith puts a demand on our purpose so that the glory of God may be evident in our lives. Verse 51. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. So that really moved her. He asked, why are you even asking me this? Don't you know? Or basically, why don't you know? Man, this will preach, church. Why don't we know right now what we should be doing? You see, the government can't fix any of the garbage that's going on in this world. Because there is a government that sits upon his shoulders. And there are kings and there are priests for this kingdom of God. And that's what we've been here, put here to do is to have dominion in this earth. So the way to release that dominion and power and authority that we have in this earth is to go when God says go. In the beginning, there was darkness. The earth was out without form and void. Then God spoke. His word, the word is Jesus Christ. Jesus got to work by the power of the Holy Spirit, doing everything that God said. That's what we have to do to make a change in our homes and in this world as well. All right. Verse 52 says this. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. So remember, he was 12 years old when this happened. 12 years old. And it says from that moment forward, he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. So, Father, I pray that over your body right now, this church, that they would grow in wisdom, grow in stature, grow in favor with God and the people. So we see here that Jesus Christ was 12 years old at this time, and we don't hear anything else about him or know his age again until 18 years later. 18 years later, we find out how old Jesus is at this event, and we know that for 18 years, he's been growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God. But there was no new go. For 18 years, there was no new go. He went with his parents. He was obedient to them and he grew. OK, so we know that God was still with him because he grew in favor and, and, and wisdom, stature, favor uh, and, and before him and all the people. But then there came a new go. Remember at the beginning when there was nothing but the Holy Spirit was hovering. Let's go to Matthew chapter three, beginning in verse 13. I'm not going to finish this message. There's going to be a part two, maybe a part five. I don't know. I'm not going to finish it all, but uh, we are coming to the end uh, right now. Matthew chapter three, verses 13 through 17 says this. Then Jesus went. What does it say Jesus did? He went. So what does this tell us? There was a new go. Do you hear what I'm saying? Don't miss God's goals. If you miss God's goals, you miss God's goodness. If you miss God's goals, 
The Holy Spirit can only hover over your life. And that thing that God wants to give birth to, which is glory in this earth, could not come forward. Don't miss God's goals. Don't be stuck in a went. Don't be stuck in what was. We need to be on the same page of the story that God is writing for our lives right now. For the word of God says that Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's writing our stories right now. So yes, there are some things that happen to you on page 17 of your life, but you can't live there because you've got a new go. And the reason the devil keeps bringing up your past is so that you can't run up to where you need to be. The reason that you can't do what God is asking you to do right now is because you're stuck in what happened to you. I'm not saying that what happened to you wasn't bad. But what I'm trying to tell you is that there is a new good thing that God is ready to do if you let the old thing go. What should have happened to us back there was even though bad things happen to us, we should still be growing. Do you hear what I'm saying? We should be growing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. That is the evidence that we're still going the right way. So, Father, before I finish this message, I pray in this moment right now in Jesus' name about everything that we have supposed to have come out of by now. The Holy Spirit hovered over Jesus for 18 years until the new go came. Lord, how long have you been hovering over our lives because of a past hurt, a past offense, something that happened to us where we got stuck in our faith, where we stopped growing in faith and wisdom and in and stature and in favor. And God, you're trying to get more goodness out of us. Satan, the Lord rebuke you in Jesus name. Thank you for taking the shackles off our feet so we can dance. Thank you, God, for releasing us from the bars of the prisons that the enemy tried to put us behind because we, were, we got a divorce or, or we were heartbroken or we lost a child or somebody offended us. We refuse to stand behind the bars of offense. We refuse to stand behind the bars of unforgiveness and bitterness. We are going to obey the new go. The word of God says that Paul and Peter were in prison and the saints of God were praying for them. And there was an earthquake and the jail began to shake and the prison doors flung open and they walked out of that prison. God, you gave them a go and the doors flung open. I pray for a go to happen to New Life Christian Ministries right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We are not Holy Tabernacle. We are not New Life under the leadership of Apostle Edward Tibbs. Those eras are gone. God, would you give us a new go? Would you empower us to do those things which you are calling us to do in this hour? Would the fire of the Holy Spirit come upon us all and make us one, melt us into one? The, the, the church in the beginning, they brought all their stuff together. They brought all their possessions together, and they were one. They were melted into one. Would you melt this church into one, God?
no cliques, no groups that favor uh, this group over that group, God. No old against new, no black against white, no gifts of the Spirit against that gift of the Spirit is gone. We cancel every assignment of the enemy in Jesus' name to bring division to this ministry. We see your green light, God, and we say that we will go because you are calling us forward. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So listen, I got to get, get through just this part. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. In the beginning, there was darkness, and the Holy Spirit just hovered over the waters, right? So here we see in verse 13, it says this. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River. What's in a river? Wasn't a trick question. Say it again. What's in a river? Water. Remember in the beginning, there was water and there was darkness in the earth and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the water. It says, then Jesus went because he had a new go. He went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. It says, but John, oh Lord, there's always some Johns. When we're ready to go to do what God said do, no offense, Brother John. When we're ready to do what God says go and do, there's always a John there saying something other than what we're supposed to be doing. So John tried to talk him out of it. God told him to go. The Holy Spirit was there hovering, waiting, because the Holy Spirit is always waiting on us, right? So there he is, Jesus Christ, stepping into the Jordan River, which I had the opportunity to do a few years ago. So Jordan, he stepped into the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. He says this, I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. Church, will you say this with me? John? It ain't about you. It ain't about you. I know that's not proper English, but it just feels so good. When you are on your way to obey God and somebody's trying to talk you out of it, just say, honey, it ain't about you. When the women in the South would say, bless your heart, you knew something was coming. So you can even add a bless your heart. Bless your heart, but... It ain't about you. So there Jesus uh, was trying to be talked out of by John. He says, John says, I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. He says, so why are you coming to me? Again, Jesus could have said, John, it ain't about you. All right. Verse 15. But Jesus said, it should be done. Why? For we must carry out all that God requires. Remember, he had a go from God. And if they didn't do this, then, then Jesus, the word of God, couldn't be obedient to the Father God. It couldn't be powered by the Spirit of God so that he could return to the goodness of God and see the triumph that his obedience would bring. Verse 16, it says this, After his baptism... As Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open and he saw the Spirit of God who was hovering. Now the Spirit of God began to descend like a dove settling on him. 
And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly beloved son who brings me great joy. But God would not have been able to talk about his joy had not John baptized Jesus because Jesus was told to go. God is waiting to release a new goodness and glory in this earth to cancel the the darkness of COVID, to cancel the darkness of racism, to cancel the darkness of poverty. But will you obey the go in God? Let's stand to our feet this morning. The Holy Spirit hovered over the waters, ready to empower Jesus. The word of God, which was Jesus, so that he could bring light and life to death and darkness. Church, and when I say church, I'm talking about those that call new life their home. And on top of that, I'm talking to those who call me their pastor. Okay? The Bible says this, that Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, but you don't obey me? And my question to you is this, I'm not your Lord, but you are supposed to follow me as I follow Christ, right? So please don't call me pastor if you don't follow me as I follow Christ. When I start doing crazy stuff, when I say bring out the snakes, then you leave and say, I can't follow this man no more. He is not following Christ. But as long as you see me following Christ, when you call me pastor, What I hear is this, you are the one who God has set up in my life to bring me the word of God and give accountability to. You are the one that God has put in my life to lead me and guide me to what the will of God is for us collectively. Now, I'm not the type of pastor to be all up in your business. I never call any of you and, what, why aren't you at church? Or why aren't you doing this? Or how come you don't give? I'm not in your business, okay? That's not my job. My job is to follow God and then to tell his, to feed his sheep. So I give you the word of God, okay? I gave you the word of God, and in that word of God was a go. This Wednesday night at 7.30, Compel is starting again. We're going to load up wagons and we're going to go. We're going to take ice cream to people out there and uh, we're going to give them water. And more importantly, we're going to pray for them and we're going to love them. There's going to be a go. Matthew 28 verses 16 through 20 say this. I'm sorry, verse 18. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy and the Holy Spirit. Listen, as a police officer, I can arrest somebody and I can take them to jail, but that does not change their heart. As a police officer, we can protect children and women from trafficking all that we can, but that does not change the heart of the trafficker. So the power has not been given to the police officer. The power to change the world has been given to the church. But you've got to put the go back into God and go out there and do exactly what he's telling us to do. If you want to change the news that you've been seeing, 
It starts with your obedience to God. Because only after you obey God does the goodness follow and the goodness happen. Somebody told Brother John about God and he's here this morning. Somebody went. Somebody did what they were supposed to do. And he's here. Father, we're going to obey you and go this Wednesday night at 730, even if there's just five of us. For your word says that we should pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers because the laborers are few, but the harvest is plentiful. God, I've given these people the word that you've given me, and I will not put my eyes back on them. I will not be discouraged about who shows up and who doesn't show up anymore, God, for my joy is not tied to these people. This morning, I obeyed the go that you gave me in God, and I gave them your word. I told them what was true. I told them what was right, God, and now it's out of my hands, and now they must be obedient to do what you said do, God. And the good thing about it is this, your sons and daughters will. For your word said that those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So God, I take my expectation off of church people and I put my expectation on the sons and daughters of the Most High God. Those who are truly led by his spirit, we can take this city because there's other children of God in other churches who are led by your spirit. And we will join forces with them to cancel the darkness in this city so that your glory may reign and that you may look down and say, it is good. Thank you for the goodness that comes when we obey you, God. Thank you for your goodness in Jesus name.